What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. We are here, as always. We are ready to rock. And Sean, we have a special guest today. Who's with us today? Honestly, Ian, I feel like we've been talking too much basketball. So we had to mix it up. Bring back a personal favorite of ours, contributor for Maple Leafs Hot Stove, Kevin Papetti. Kevin, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me. I think it's going to be, it's kind of the best time for sports right now. We got hockey starting up. I think it's 116 straight days of hockey coming up and then basketball, football, football playoffs. And then it uh, seems like the baseball offseason picking up. So it's just kind of you know, living the dream right now. Absolutely. And we, you know, March Madness is on the horizon. And it, obviously this is all assuming that we can get there, you know, with the COVID so. situation. So but yeah, I'm with you. We're we're sort of in the we're sort of in the golden the golden time right now. That's for sure. Well, and speaking of COVID, we've had our first issues in the NHL. Kevin, did you see Friedman what he just sent out about the Vancouver Canucks? I saw the two, so I, I don't know. It's not off to a good start. That's the least division too. So I guess we'll see what. Uh, wish them all the best, and hopefully, uh, hopefully they're playing within the next. I think they are playing tomorrow, right? Yeah, they are. I think they have the night game against Edmonton. They're already in Edmonton right now. It's just, you know, testament to the bubble, how successful that was. I know how difficult it must have been on the players, but, you know, it it just, you mitigate so much of this. And the NBA is just going through uh, an absolute tireless run of it right now. And, you know what, honestly, with everything going on in North America right now, pandemic related, politically related, it's just, you know, I just hope everyone's staying safe. But, you know, you mentioned a great run of sports and we just came out of one, Kevin. It's Christmas for most, but it's really Christmas for Kevin Papetti when the World Juniors are on and playing. So we do want to get your thoughts on the World Juniors. So my first question to you, Kevin, is about players that stood out to you. Now, the Maple Leafs, as we are a Toronto-based podcast, we're both Maple Leaf fans. I know that you know you follow the team as well. They had five players that did play. I don't think we can count the Russian goalie who did not play. Did, or did he get into a game? I think he got into one. Oh, okay. So, we're, but we're not going to count him. So, we're going to go with Topi Nimala, Roni Hirvinen, Niko Kokkinen, Rodion Amirov, and Abramov. So, out of those players, who impressed you and who really kind of made you eat some crow a little bit? And then, was there anyone outside of that group that really stood out to you? Okay. For least wise, I think who impressed the most has to be Topi Nimala because he was yeah. defenseman at the tournament. I wasn't expecting that offense. I do think some of the points were a little bit fluky, but he was a player who I didn't know if he'd be on the power play. He certainly looked comfortable there. Uh, it was He shouldn't have been a third-round pick. I think that was kind of evident at draft time. I was expecting him to be like an early second type, maybe been second type. So even on draft day, it felt like he was a bit too low, but now it really feels like he was a bit too low. I don't know. I'm not going to say he's a better prospect than Amirov based on one tournament. I don't think he is. But I just think compared to expectations – he had to be the best, Uh, especially as an 18 year old, he is eligible to play next year. Uh, So, you know, who knows what the future holds next year for him. It's just a player where it just gives the Leafs a bunch of flexibility. Like if they did want to make a trade, make a big splash, either the deadline or they wanted to go in the off season, make a big trade. He's going to be a player now that other GMs going to be asking about. So I just think he's uh, the way he moved the puck. He's a player who was praised by the Leafs on draft day for his defensive game, for his defensive instincts. He isn't the biggest guy, but he was kind of more towards a defensive defenseman. Now he's kind of proven that he can certainly move the puck. And I think that's it's nice when you, when his 
so-called weaknesses certainly weren't weaknesses. So I think he was the most impressive. Uh, I would say that Miko Kakinen was probably the most boring. Uh, he's just a defensive defenseman. But is boring strip. good? That's Because I, I, I thought that too, but is boring maybe good for a guy like Kakinen? Maybe. They could use that skill set. I just think his upside is going to be kind of low if, if he can't move the puck effectively. Right. Um, he was kind of good against for Finland against the better teams because he is strong defensively and he is one of the older players. Um, I think prospect-wise, he'd probably be at, towards the bottom of this list of the five. Um, but I thought Amirov was basically as expected, got some points. Um, you know, he's not a small guy. He's six one. He's kind of the player. He was out there when, you know, they're trying to protect a lead late with under a minute left. Um, so he, I thought his penalty killing was very strong. Skating was strong, generates a ton of takeaways, good in transition. His offensive game was so, so I thought Russia was, you know, kind of all over the place in this tournament. Right. Um, he was really good against the Swedes. So I'll give him that. And then that Hervin and Abramov were both pretty solid as well. So just, it was a really strong showing for for lease prospects especially when you know they're not rebuilding right now so to have that many guys do pretty well that's uh, pretty impressive well and that's the thing too right i mean you mentioned rebuilding and you know i, I never hesitate to throw shade at the sabers considering this state that they've been in for god knows how long <laughs> and it felt like every prospect that was out there was a saber. It, it, I don't know if that was just me, but it felt like every time it came out, oh, oh, second round of the sabers. Oh, third round of the sabers. And for forever, that just wasn't the case. I I am going to get to Stutzelmania. I know, you know, he is the darling of the tournament. But an- another guy on the German team that I wanted to ask you about, because this guy really jumped out to me and a couple of friends of mine that were that were watching, um, is JJ Paterka. Paterka, Paterka. Um, he was, he played on the German team too. Now, obviously didn't, the tournament didn't go great for the Germans, but outside of Stutzel, was there anyone else on that German team that really jumped out to you? And was he one of them? Yeah, for sure. Paterka was good. He, I fully expected him to be a first round pick. It was, that was kind of one of the surprises of draft day. He just has the profile that doesn't fall because he's good off the puck. Uh, He's a real good worker. He played in a pro league last year. Uh, you just didn't expect him to go in the second round. I know it was early second round. Um, he actually looked better than Jack Quinn, another Sabres pick who went, I think Quinn went seventh or eighth, eighth. I think it was eighth. Um, and Paterka went in the low thirties. So that was a bit strange. I, I, I do think that, you know, maybe the picks will even out. I don't think Quinn was a top 10 caliber player, but I certainly think Paterka was a bit of a steal in, in the early second round. So he's a guy that, you know, it's funny. He could have went to Ottawa. Ottawa had a late first round pick and oh, they took God, Ridley Gregg. Yeah. And I yeah. wanted to see, I wish we could have saw Tim Stutzla play with Paterka because, you know, they've, they've done it for two straight world juniors. Paterka was really good in last year's world juniors as well. That's why I was surprised he fell the second. Um, but he's just a, such a well-rounded player. He wins puck battles. He gets in on the four check. You know, you, you don't have to, he's not like a first, he's not, he doesn't have to score necessarily at his, like 70 points in order to stick in the NHL. Uh, like he could easily be like a well-rounded 40 point player. So uh, certainly he was good. I know Germany was a little bit tough to watch at times when they're short players. Uh, they just looked exhausted, but at least uh, Tim Slitzla and, and Paterka look fun. Well, and we look back at it and you just look at the draft and you look back at some of the top guys and, and, you know, 
you can't help but be impressed by the way that some of them have, you know, really look like they're going to return on that investment from their various teams. And the one thing I wanted to ask you about was it's going back to the Leafs a little bit, but on the night of the draft, when they took Amirov, the Leafs brass took a lot of shit. So I, I got to ask you, of the guys that a lot of people in Leafs Nation wanted, I think that was uh, Gooley and Braden Schneider. And, Z- and Zari. Yeah, that's the guy I was all in on, too. And he... Connor Zari, he, he really struggled. He so, had a tough go. <laughs> yeah, and that's not to say that, you know, if he did, that he's not going to find right. it. I mean, exactly. he has to be doing something right. Calgary signed him. So let me ask you this. Of those two defensemen that the Leafs were potentially targeting, did any of them jump out to you and say, wow, they may regret that one? Or do you think that it, think it's all good? I wouldn't have picked either at 15 now. I do think I had Schneider too low. I had him right around Nimala, I believe. So I think I had both those. I had Nimala higher than most, but I think I had Schneider lower than most. I'd probably put Schneider in kind of a towards. I think he'd be a fine pick in the 20s. Uh, I thought Canada was just such a tough team to watch because up until that final game, nothing was close. So I almost wanted to see them get challenged more. Like it was tough to see like they didn't allow an even strength goal up until the finals. So, and it just felt like at all times or almost all times, Canada's five players on the ice were better than any of the other five players on the ice. So I just found it a tough to evaluate Canada's defensemen. Um, like I thought Drysdale had a good tournament, but they're all kind of quiet. They just, you know, they play good defense. I thought Snyder moved the puck better than I expected. I still think at 15, that's a bit high, um, especially, you know, right after they went out and signed TJ Brody. So now you look at the Leafs and you go, okay, you have, you know, Brody, Justin Hall, uh, you got Timothy Lillier in there. You know, I don't know if the need's going to be as strong. I do think Snyder looked like a good pick, but I thought Amirov really held his own. They, you know, Sweden hadn't lost since 2006. It was like 50 something games. And he was the player of the game when they beat them. So it was a bit on and off. I thought Russia didn't really have a ton of depth. Like when, when Amirov was on the top line with Vasily uh, Podkolzin, who I thought was really, really good. And uh, Marakus and Dinov, I thought that line was really dominating Sweden and they were obviously dominant against Austria. Um, aside from that, like when he was playing on other lines, Sometimes he just didn't have the help, it seemed. Uh, he was taking some low dangerous chances, but I just think Amira was going to be such a safe pick. Uh, he has, you know, he's 6'1". He's a very good skater. Uh, he's a very good transition player. He's a guy that can kill penalties uh, at, a, at a high-end level. Uh, I think he brings a defensive acumen that the Leafs don't have up front. Uh, I don't think they have very good two-way forwards um, for the most part. So I just think it's a safe pick for them. He is on the older end of the of the draft class, so I don't think it'll take quite as long. Um, so I, he still would have been my pick today. Um, I'm not going to say he's like a steal, like um, like to use an NBA reference, like Halliburton right now, where you're thinking like, oh, oh what a name drop on the oh, film stands. When you're thinking like, like how did he sick. fall out of the top 10? I don't know if he's one of those, but I think he was like, I had him below a Lundell and I think I still would because I thought Lundell had a really good tournament. Like, I, I think he was about as expected of, I think of the 20 top 20 picks, 17 play in the world juniors. Um, and like a few impressed, like Tim Stutzler was one and Tom oh, Lindell yeah. was one. But other than that, there weren't really too many, maybe Dawson Mercer. 
like not too many guys I thought of the top 20, like really stood out and, and, and you know, make you, made you think that they went too low. So you mentioned that Canada was a bit tough to watch because of the fact that they were killing everyone. And, and part, of, part of that was obviously the, uh, the bracket, the side of the bracket they were on. And I think, you know, the other part is, I wonder if the tournament structure itself um, sort of can lead to games like that. Now, Sean and I have talked about this off podcast um, because, you know, we recognize that for these kids, it's an amazing opportunity and just the exposure for the kids, even from, you know, typically non-dominant hockey nations is super, super valuable for them. I mean, I mean, you just look at Germany in general. I mean, the growth that they've had in that program is amazing. Didn't show out here, but it's coming. Um, how do you feel about the tournament structure? Do you feel like there's a problem based on the fact that, you know, Canada is killing everyone and then they get to the finals and they're just not prepared? Or do you think that it, this year was more just a one-off? It's a bit of a one-off. I know like Germany, Germany should have been a bit stronger if it wasn't for the the positive cases they had in the short roster. I, it seems to be a very sensitive topic on Twitter. I'll say that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. People are very uh, passionate about it. If you went to eight, I wouldn't have a huge deal. Like, I don't think it's a massive deal. I wouldn't go to six. I think six is, uh, I do think that kind of ruins the kind of the spirit of the tournament. Like I do like watching the odd game for Germany or uh, like I thought the checks were really fun this year. I thought Germany was really fun last year. So I, I'm okay with 10. I would almost want to see like, there's a few things I would change. One is when they do the qualification, they don't adjust for the age. Like what happens is they do the qualification and then players age out. And then you, you don't have the same players that qualified for the tournament. I think that's a problem. I think another problem is like I'd almost want to do like seeding like March Madness does where right you know we kind of know who the best like we know Canada is the one we can have some experts say okay this team's two this team's three because when you do it on last year's tournament a like one game can make a big difference and then b it's not the same players like some of them but not all of them I don't know I just would have felt like if they would have put if they would have evened out the divisions a little bit more um it, it probably would have been good like just a, a little bit better to watch in terms of just you know viewers or, or ratings or just you know enjoyment um obviously Canada was so good this year I do think too because like guys like Dylan Cousins were there rather than in the in the NHL um or like maybe Bowen Byram someone like that I do think that kind of changed the tournament as well when you have all these you know guys that would be in the NHL playing he's still lost yeah, one game though, right? Like, no, I know, and that, that's that's kind of how this tournament goes. I I think Kevin, there there's an answer here. I don't think that you can just sit here and go, it's perfect the way that it is. I don't think that any anyone, I don't think you can say that about anything in general. That isn't true. It's just that isn't true. It, I agree, and I know I don't know if it's a kind of like a league of nations like they do in soccer. If there's an opportunity there, or again, like kind of like AP polling, like seeding. I just think that if you're a team of a nation and you're cheering for the other team to score more than you're cheering for your own team to score in a lot of the games that you're watching there may be a bit something wrong here everyone and if you're a canadian fan and you're sitting there telling me that you're not cheering for germany to score when they're down three nothing or down two nothing or you're cheering for uh slovakia to get a goal so that it stays close you're you're lying to yourself and it's it's not ideal you get into the you get into the actual you know the 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 
elimination part of the tournament. It's it's very exciting. And I know that a lot of this is more overblown because there was no fans in the stands. But I just think I, I think I think there's there has to be an answer here. And, and it can't be, you know what, this is fine. That's that's just my personal opinion because we got a lot to get to, Kevin. We could probably have you on for an hour and a half talking about World Juniors, and I'm sure you would really much you would really enjoy it. But Ian, do you have one last really? point before we move yeah, on? Real, yeah, real real quick, I I do think it becomes, and again, you cannot you cannot properly quantify how much this means to the players and what it means to the players. So I, I want to make that abundantly clear. But from a viewership standpoint, from you know, if you're Germany and you're 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 getting into hockey because you know, you see all these kids getting drafted that are German. And you think that's really awesome. And then you, you know, someone, you know, buddy of yours says, Hey, you should watch this tournament. All these kids are going to play and they go and just get destroyed. I, I think, you know, me personally, if I was a casual viewer, that that would turn me off of that. You know, like if I'm, um, I, I, you know, if I'm a casual um, soccer fan, for example, and, you know, a friend says, Hey, check out, Leeds United and they go and they get crushed by Manchester United eight, nothing like that, that would turn me off of that product. And I think that's not the goal. The goal is to get more countries involved because it is this great tournament. Well, and it's proven that that is the case. That's why they hold the tournament in Canada every other year, because everyone in Canada tunes in for the damn thing. And yet they can't say the same thing across the other countries, even though I know it's a massive deal in Finland and in Sweden and in Russia, but Kevin, I'll give you, you know, Short minute here. Just any response, anything that we have to say. I, I think that we're being pretty fair. I know a lot of people have gone either way to defend this or way to kill this overall uh, this overall structure. I just think that there's a nice middle ground that I think that you know exploring some different options can't can't hurt. Yeah, I would explore some tweaks at least in terms of ratings and balancing the groups. Um, I think just not having NHL players there will help. Um, oh, good point. Yeah, without Cousins, you know, maybe Canada's not as dominant. Just to him alone, right, if he's playing for Buffalo. Um, obviously, like, losing Tim Stutzler would be big for Germany. But oh, I guess I guess it does trickle down, yeah. I, I think, like, for some teams, maybe, like, Finland would be stronger. I think those games would be a bit closer. Like, I've never – I don't know about 10. I'd, I'd be fine with 8. I'd be fine. Like, this year it felt like 9. It felt like Austria wasn't good enough. Um, but, you know, it's kind of – I can, I can kind of see both sides to it. Like I've never seen Canada in the world cup for soccer. And it's like, you know, when they do make it, that'll make it even more you know exciting and special. And, you know, people might be tuning into the final games when they qualify. Um, so I do think there is a bit of a balancing act there. I do want the players to get the experience. I guess I don't have that strong of opinion on it, but uh, I would have liked to see at least more balanced groups so that, you know, at least we're kind of watching a game wondering if Canada will finish first or second in the group. Right. Uh, it felt like they were just going to be first the whole time. Uh, and listen, if you don't have a, that's fine. We'll be the strong opinionated people and just start screaming and, and for, for <laughs> clickbait. Okay. That, that'll be our job, Kevin. You can be the very reasonable level headed person that you are. Um, but I just, and, and to your point about the world cup, the best thing about these types of tournaments is even if you know you're not going to win, hope is just, it's, it's just the worst. It's just, you just feel like you <laughs> could do it. You could win until you lose 16 to two. But speaking of hope, let's transition to the 2021 NHL season and our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs are the first topic of this podcast when it comes to the 2021 NHL tournament. And I want to dive into the roster, but really quick, Kevin, did you watch the blue versus white scrimmage? 
And as someone who evaluates hockey, can you take anything away from that? Or do you just look at this as it's just a fucking practice? More than the latter. I think it was just a practice. It was tough to tell who was going the hardest and who was just kind of taking it easier. Um, I, like the only, the big takeaway for me is that the Marlies are going to be pretty good. There's a lot of players. Yeah. If that's if you're a big Marlies fan, then you should be pretty happy. Other than that, like I wasn't all that happy with the first, like really any of the lines. I didn't think anyone really stood out. Um, it, it was a bit of a mess just trying to figure out who everyone was at first because you don't know who's on which team. Um, there's a and lot of new numbers. For? I'm cheering for both teams. Like, this is yeah, crazy. It's, it was fun. Like, it, it was, I, I was glad to see hockey. Like I'll take yes. that every year. Uh, like I've always wanted that televised, even like in baseball, like televised the spring training games Like people will watch. Um, I just, you can't take too much away. It's just a weird year where there's no preseason. It felt like no one had to really earn a spot in the lineup. It felt like the decisions were just made ahead of time. Um, so we really don't know how things will work. We don't know which lines are, are going to find chemistry and which ones aren't. Uh, it'll be an interesting start to the season, especially, I guess, if, you know, I don't know when the least play Vancouver, but uh, there are going to be situations where, especially when you're playing almost like a couple games or even like three games against the same team, if they have positive cases, when you happen to go play them, like you might have a way easier opponent. Right. So I think it's going to be just a weird year for hockey. It is shortened. Um, I guess just rack up points when you can, but I don't think we can take much out of that scrimmage. And, and I don't, I, I don't either. Um, but what I would say is you mentioned that no one was really fighting for a spot. There was one person that did win a spot on the opening night roster and one person who is no longer on the team anymore. So bear with me here, Kevin and Ian. I do want to run through quickly your 2021 opening opening roster spotted players for the Maple Leafs. So you have Joe Thornton slotting in on the first line with Matthews and Marner. Jimmy Vesey slots in with the second line with John Tavares and William Nylander. You have your checking line of sorts with Kerfoot, Hyman, and Mikheyev. The fourth line goes to old man Spezza, Wayne Simmons, and Barabanov. Wait, with- why does Spezza get the old man label, but Thornton doesn't? <laughs> Very good point. It's a good point. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know why? Because maybe because Thornton made the, the top line. Uh, your extras would be Nick Robertson, Adam Brooks, and Travis Boyd. On defense, the bolstered defense for this year, you have Morgan Riley finally playing with someone who knows how to play hockey and TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, and Justin Hall. Travis Dermott is the one who won a spot in camp, moving into the roster with Zach Bogosian. Miko Letton and Rasmus Sandin round out the extras with Frederick Anderson, Jack Campbell, and Aaron Dell making the opening roster so that they do not have a repeat of two years ago with the Calvin Pickard and Curtis McElhaney situation. So I throw this to you here, Kevin. Is there any surprises here? Anything that jumped out to you, whether it be lineup construction or roster construction of that really shocked me? I think the biggest thing would be Hyman, not in the top six. I was kind of expecting something weird with Thornton. I didn't know if he'd be the fourth line center or if they'd try him on the wing. He did play on the wing at the, the world's, I think it was called the World Cup of Hockey a couple of years back for Canada. So that would be the biggest thing. I think the, the, the defense is as expected. The forwards, they are doing that checking line, which is kind of interesting. So it, I'm going to be watching that tomorrow. I want to see what, who Kerfoot matches up against. Um, is it, you know, the Habs don't have a clear top line, I guess, but 
you know, maybe tomorrow, like, is he up against like Gallagher tomorrow, for example? Um, and then like when they play Edmonton, is it Kerfoot up against McDavid? That's what I'm interested to see because that's in the not going to go great. No. And in theory, you don't want that line just hard matching the top line. Cause then they're playing too much. If you, if you think about it in, in those terms, right. Is that if your third line's hard matching the team's top line, they're probably playing 18 to 20 minutes, which with a, with a team with two lines that include four players making $40 million, probably not ideal, but I agree with you, Kevin. I think that that's, that's what I want to watch too. And since unfortunately Kerfoot obviously missed more time again, um, did Engvall surprise you? The fact that he was, just completely left off the roster. I know that he's waiver exempt, but did it did it shock you in any capacity? No, just because he's waiver exempt, pretty much. They it just seemed like they had so many jobs promised to people. Like Joe Thornton wasn't going to be healthy scratched. I think when they signed him, they were saying, "Okay, we're not doing this Betsa thing again." Um, and it seems Probably like the best. And it seems like Keith and Dubis are more aligned. So you know, I, I don't think that was ever a consideration. You could say that. Jesus, more aligned than Babcock and Dubas? Yeah, I, I think that Kevin, that my brother and I are more aligned than Babcock and Dubas, and we don't agree on anything. Bold, uh, bold statement by me there. But uh, <laughs> Jimmy Vesey, I don't think he was going to ever be scratched. Um, I don't think. Why he's is been... he in the top six, Kevin? I got to ask. What? I could that have, like, what is he doing up there? I think they, I think it was a part of the pitch to get him here at okay. under a million. Um, so his, his father's an amateur scout for the team. Right. So I don't think they were going to sign him to screw him over. Like, I don't think he was going to, I guess we have him to thank for, you know, Toby Nimala and all those world juniors guys. A little um, politics. The, the Dubas brass is playing. We've seen him do it with European players a lot. That's why Bear Banov is here and they've done it before with the Russian defensemen that they bring in and they, they do give them time, but a little bit of uh matriarchy here. I kind of like it. It's going to be interesting. Like, I guess one of my concerns heading into the season is, you know, I don't think it's going to be easy to scratch Wayne Simmons or, you know, I think they might have something. I don't know how much ice time they've promised to bear a ban off or how much of an opportunity they want to give him. Um, or guys like VZ, guys like Thornton. Like if your best, fo- if those forwards get outplayed, I don't know if they like, let's say Thornton really struggles or Wayne Simmons really struggles or VZ really struggles. Like all it takes is for, you know, someone gets hurt for a week or two. Robertson comes in, looks amazing. Okay. Now who's out. Right. So I, it's going to be interesting to see who scratched. I really don't know. I would guess Barabanov, but like if Barabanov's good and, and Robertson looks good, I don't know which veteran they're going to scratch. That's kind of my, I guess, main concern if they're overplaying one. Um, other than that, like that third line, I guess, is the real surprise. Kerfoot did play against McDavid once last year, I believe, and they, they did pretty well. Um, I don't mind the idea when, when Keith won the call there with the Marlies, they did something similar where they just had two loaded lines and then used the matchup line. I think, as you said, the, the question is going to be ice time now. Like if you are playing Kerfoot against top lines, uh, a, I don't know if there's enough offense to hold any offensive zone time whatsoever on that line and B, you know, are they going to be playing too much? The other thing, the other question I have is like, you have Joe Thornton, not only on power on the first line, but he's on the first power play. So, I'm just kind of questioning one thing I want to see tomorrow is I want to compare Thornton's ice time to Tavares's because like, I know Tavares will get some extra shifts after the penalty kill, but if Thornton's on the first line and on the first power play and Tavares is on the second line and on the second power play and neither penalty kill, like I'm, I'm wondering if Thornton's going to play 
pretty much the same amount as Tavares. So that's going to be like it feels aggressive. Does that not feels sound, aggressive. It does not sound ideal. Like I'm, I'm, I have a lot of questions. I guess going into game one, we'll see how it works out. And I guess like you look at last year's lineup, Kapanen on the first line, left wing. You know that didn't last long. You know maybe it's just a few games here, but just looking at the lineup for what it is, I don't know how long it's still stick i guess we'll see we'll we'll see how it goes and go from there are we not the least bit confused concerned about team speed you know like i know we have some burners and i think you know i i I don't want to be the guy that complained that when the team was so fast and like but (laughs) everyone was soft and then when they get a little sandpaper it gets slower complain that they're slow i'm not trying to be that guy but like like could it be, could it, could it possibly be an overcorrection? Like Thornton is a statue. Even when in his thirties, he was a statue. Um, Tavares has never been the slightest of foot. You know, that third line, I think will hang up. Okay. But you know, and, and Simmons too. I mean, you know, are we not a, a little bit concerned about that? Or are we just, we're just so happy that we want to watch Kapanen and you know, all the other guys just do a lot without doing anything. I think they are weak, like a little weaker up front this year on paper. Um, if you're good enough, I don't care if you're slow. Like oh, and Spezza too. Tavares and Spezza in particular, they're they've always been slow, but they've always been very good. I'm not too mm-hmm. concerned about them. I guess my concern is I see five top six forwards on this team being you know Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, and then I'd put Hyman in there as well. I don't really see a sixth. Like I I, I don't know if they'll go out and try to trade for someone at the deadline. Um, I do think Janssen, when healthy, is, is, was a pretty good player, and he's going to be a pretty big loss. Um, so we'll need someone to step up, whether it's Thornton, whether it's VZ. I think right now I just see a, a pretty thin forward group. Like, they have so many guys that can play in your fourth line. Like, they're, they could do a fifth and a sixth line, and, and they'd be, you know, fourth line caliber. But in terms of that top six, it does feel like they have two-thirds of a good first line and two-thirds of a good second line rather than just like a dominant first line, dominant second line. I don't really see a dominant line right now. So we had this question a little bit later, but I think it's relevant here. Let's talk about the, let's, you know, I guess you can call them bargain bin forwards that they brought in as they're all under a million dollars and VC. That is what they are, man. Thornton and Simmons, right? You know, you can make an argument that they would make more money elsewhere, but they're choosing to make less here to be in this situation, whether it be because their dad's involved or because they want to win. Who knows, right? With that said, of the forwards that they've signed this year, if you want to throw Barabanov in there too, uh, you're more than welcome to. Who do you expect to make the biggest impact? Because you got to think Thornton has a leg up here starting on the first line. Full transparency here. I would be absolutely shocked if this team makes the playoffs in game one of the playoffs, Thornton's on the first line with Matthews and Marner. And my personal pick here is VC. Mostly because he's the youngest. Also because I do think he's going to be put in a good position playing with Tavares and Nylander. But what is your pick here, Kevin? Okay, I'm not going to count Spezza because he was a re-sign. Agreed. But I'll go – I'm going to go I'm Thornton. Like Thornton was really good, not last year, but the year before. And I remember once he signed, I went back and I watched the league's first Sharks game, and it was Thornton matching up against Matthews, right? Like, Hurdle was hurt at times last year. Couture was out at times last year. He never played the wing. So I'm just kind of interested to see what happens, him on the wing, because um, we just haven't seen it. 
uh, at least at the NHL level. We've seen it, I guess, for Canada. That's about it. Um, and also just the flexibility. Like if, if there is an injury, if, if you do want to maybe switch up the lines and move Tavares to the wing for a game or something like they did in the playoffs, at least he has the flexibility to play center, which they didn't necessarily have as much depth. Oh, so you're not year. throwing you're not throwing Nylander in there in a game five to play center when he hasn't played there all year? Kind of something I, like that? I'm still mad about that, but <laughs> um, I think – even if matter. he's a fourth line center, even if he's just a good fourth line center, Thornton by the end of the year, like I, ex- I fully expect him to be better than Frederick Gauthier. Um, and he's just the most likable, positive person. So I just think, you know, he has the most, I guess, scoring upside. Obviously, he's a guy with 90 plus assist seasons. Uh, I'm just, I don't know how long that first line experiment is going to last. It's fun if that was the, you know, part of the pitch to get him here. Um, that's fine. I just don't know. I don't know how long that's going to last. Now that we talk bargain bin, let's talk about the high paid guys. All right, let's get you know. Let's let's go from the basement to the penthouse here. Do we do so, we have to? Do we have to? It's going to. Oh no no, no we we absolutely like. have to because okay. you can't talk about this team and not talk about um, the big boys up front. So we've already sort of touched on Tavares. I think we're a little confused about what his role is, but I think. You know, he struggled, I think, in the bubble, but he did steadily get better as that Columbus series went on. Um, But the guy I want to talk to you about is Marner. And mostly because the Toronto media ripped that guy for months and months and months. And particularly during the, you know, the reshaping of the roster period, there was a lot of cries for, you know, Marner to get traded or Marner to do this or that. So obviously some of that was fair criticism. A lot of it was crazy Leaf fan nutbag crazy shit talk so i want to ask what marna wasn't a great year last year um but somehow was still a 93 point pace but he still felt off and i think in that columbus series he for whatever reason it just it didn't feel right what are your expectations from him this season and since last year was a 93 point pace before COVID hit everything else what pace would you like to see him at this year so using like 82 game season, I would say right around the yeah. same, the, the 90. I thought he was a bit lucky last year, I guess. Like, I don't think he, he looked that good. I do have high expectations for him. Like he is a good two-way winger. He's obviously just a magician with the puck. Um, him with Thornton's a bit weird because, you know, neither of them really put the puck in the net. They're both straight pass first. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how long that lasts. But I think, I think he's going to be a, take another step this year. It's like he could easily be a top five winger in the game. He's that talented. I, I expect big things, whether he's with Matthews or Tavares, he's going to have a great goal scoring center. He's going to be great on a power play. He always has been. So I just think he's going to be, he's going to be playing big minutes because he helps the team in all situations. The other thing I'll say is I think the division as a whole is a bit weak defensively. Um, so I think that'll help his, his point total. Um, like the, you're not playing Tampa Bay and Boston as much anymore. You're actually playing them zero times. So I think that'll help his point totals as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if you don't number. play him. That's, That's true. It's a new strategy. I kind of like it. I have a question, Kevin, because if you're making $11 million and again, I, I'm, I'm a Marner defender and I think he switched his tape to, to white tape this year and it completely threw me off. And maybe it, and I also look at it like every pass first winger ever in history comes into the season saying, I'm looking to shoot more this year, which is what we're hearing from Marner in the media right now. And, you know, once the game starts, then you just revert back to obviously what got you to this point. My question is, and I really am looking for your opinion on it. 
can he drive a line on his own? That's what I want to know. Because for $11 million, even as a winger, I'd like a player to drive a line on his own. And what I don't love is that it's like, all right, man, go be with the guy who we can put with Kasperi Kapanen and Connor Brown, and he's still going to score goals to get yourself back into it, right? Ovechkin would. I just, I just want to know, like, can he do that in your evaluation of Marner's game? Yeah, he can play. Like, you didn't sound confident, though. <laughs> I don't like him with Matthews. I like him with Tavares more. Okay. Um, I just think Tavares benefits more from Mar than Matthews does. I think Matthews doesn't need a A-grade scoring chance to put the puck in the net. Like, Fair. you don't have to give him a tap in. You can just get in the zone, throw him a simple pass, and he'll do the rest. Um, I think Tavares is just the bigger body that goes to the net and you can throw it off his skates. Obviously, he's a very talented shooter yes. as well. Yeah, He's a first overall pick. and you know. Yeah, we're not trying to be unfair player. to John. John, he's, he's very good at what he does, but he gets to those dirty areas. That's where no, he, and he lives, get, and Marner and can he get got, it there. He got completely yeah. robbed in that Columbus series too. I mean, how many goals did that guy score without scoring? I think, yeah, Columbus too is just wicked defensively. Like I – that whole series is a bit of a blur, but uh, I, I think I just kind of blocked it out. But Marner, I think, led the league in in five on five uh, points per minute, not last year, the year before. I think that was with the first year with Tavares, and Tavares had like forty seven goals that year, I think. Yep. So I love that duo together. I thought Babcock had that right. Um, I don't know why they switched it up when it was working, other than the fact that you know Matthews and Marner are really good friends, and they wanted to put some energy like it is kind of fun to see the Thornton Matthews Marner line um I just don't know if it's optimal like I I, I prefer Tavares with Marner and then Matthews Nylander I don't know if it makes a huge difference um because Marner and Nylander are kind of similar players but that's just how I like it I don't know I think uh, it's going to be interesting to just see ice time how they're used this is Tavares going up against top lines when he has VZ Nylander um, it, I'm going to be kind of curious just to see, uh, to see usage tomorrow. I like the reason why I love Hyman with Matthews more than anything else is just that he's on hundred percent of the time he is on puck retrieval. I am going energizer buddy all the time. And the only criticism, the only criticism of Matthews is that when he wants to be the best player on the ice, he can be, but he doesn't always want to be that. And I think that is, in my personal opinion, I think that's my biggest criticism of him. So that's why I like him with a puck retriever is that like, even when he's not on all the time to your point, doesn't need a gray scoring chance. He just needs his team to have the puck. That's why I like him with Hyman. I agree with you. I would flip that. And that's where I'm worried a little bit with the, the Thornton Marner dynamic with Matthews is unless he's on all the time, you know, it's going to be tough for that team to retrieve the puck back. And I also like Marner with Tavares because it gave you a shutdown option, but you know, we're talking about expectations around Marner. I want to get to the greater team, Kevin Papetti. What is your expectation of this Toronto Maple Leafs team, given the current realignment or in a more simpler way, what would you deem a successful season for the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2021? I think they got to win a playoff round. That'd be the big thing. Uh, I don't think if, even if they come first in the regular season and lose in the first round, I, I just don't think people will be satisfied. Um, win at least one round. It's been forever. 
you can't guarantee anything in the playoffs. It is going to be like, it's always a short series. You don't know how the opposing goalie is going to fade, how to, how they're going to play. You could run into price, Hellebuck. Uh, we saw how Demko played in, in the playoffs last year. Jacob Markstrom's a solid goalie. So you could easily run into a good goalie and, and lose, but you know, even if they get outplayed in the first round, I don't care. Just win it. I just want to see a series win. I don't care if, you know, they're, they're getting outshot 50 to 20. Um, I would like to see a, a, a series win. Regular season-wise, I want to see – it is pretty – I guess the teams are pretty close, but I'd like to see at least top two. I think they're the best team on paper. But, again, like if a goalie goes off or if, if Anderson struggles, um, maybe they, they're not the one. Maybe they're the two. Uh, we don't really know with injuries, for example. I think with Matt, like as you, to your point with with Hyman, like Thornton could not be any more opposite because you know Hyman's fast. He gets he's the first guy in on the forecheck. Thornton is slow and the last guy in on the forecheck. So I really don't know how that's going to work. Um, I don't know how much they're going to score against Montreal. We'll see. Um, just so many question marks because I guess we have. Like we've never seen any of these four lines together before. So everything's new. Uh, really, I guess the only thing we've seen before would be the, the first defense pairing, or the, I guess the second defense pairing now, Muzzin Hall. Everything, now, else yeah. is, everything else has changed. Nothing else is the same as last year. So I want to quickly follow up with you on the expectations because a lot of the attention is going to be paid to what, how does the new defense core and the new additions help their ceiling? They're obviously playing in you know this new division where they should be the favorite to finish first. And I think that has to be the goal. I think, you know, because of the new alignment, I think you have to finish first and, you know, maybe second, but you know, what team is, is outwardly going to be better than they are. It's just hard to pinpoint. Um, and I think it's got to be a round or two would be, would be where I'm at with that. But, you know, my question about their expectation, their ceiling comes from we, the guy we just talked about, and that's Austin Matthews. And Sean mentioned that, you know, there are nights where he is just the best player on the ice and it doesn't matter who's on the other team. And it, it's just whether we get that every night. If Matthews gets to the point where he decides, Hey, you know, because I think we can all agree when he's locked in and playing all three zones, it's going to be really hard to find five dudes that are going to be better than him every single night. If, and when the time comes that he puts it all together, does how much does their ceiling change? If Matthews goes from like, Hey, I, you know, I'm going to be in the running to win the Richard to, Hey, I'm going to be one of the best and baddest five dudes on the planet. Like where, where, where does their ceiling change with that? Because again, it's not like that's impossible. And I think anyone with the Leafs would tell you that, you know, when they're talking about moving any of those big guys, that Matthews is as untouchable as untouchable gets for that reason. So again, let me ask you, if he jumps into the heart discussion, not winning it, but if he's just like hovering, where does the expectations for this team, where, where's the ceiling for this team? He's already the best even strength goal scorer in, in the NHL. So I don't think it's that much higher. I think, I think the offense is there. Like, I don't think there's too much to go there. Like agreed. I think he, I think he's about average defensively. Um, I don't think he's below average. It's just, he could take another step forward uh, defensively. So I don't know if that means that he gets the tough matchups and is winning those matchups. It could take another step. I don't think it's going to be like, I don't think he's, 
his play will change the season all that much or change their ceiling all that much. My biggest concern is is scoring depth right now. Obviously, goaltending. It's always goaltending. And then, you know, what do you get? I think there's so many question marks on this roster. Like, what do you get out of a 41-year-old Thornton? What do you get out of a, you know, an older Jason Spezza? Wayne Simmons, who hasn't been good the last two years, what do you get out of him now that he's healthy? I think those guys are really going to drive the season. Um, I expect Matthews to be very good. I think you could maybe say very, very good. Like, if he's top three, I expect him to be, like, a, a top 10 MVP candidate. I don't know if he'll be like top three versus top 10. I do think that's a bit of a bump, um, but he's going to be good. I, th- I think he's going to beat up a lot of, on a lot of these defenses in this division as he always does. And then if he's getting more ice time under Keefe, I, I do expect, you know, a ton of goals. If he's playing with Marner and Thornton, I just don't know how many goals he's going to score. He might be like a thousand because those guys don't shoot. All they do is pass and, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. It he just feels like shoot. feels like they need another goal scorer on that line to kind of help them out. So the last thing, and then we're going to move on, but I have to ask, you mentioned goaltending. I was going to save this t- until later. What are the chances? What would you say, what percentage chance would you give to Jack Campbell becoming the number one at some point this season? For how long? Like, like, no, like outright the number one. 15% maybe. Ooh, okay. So not think, zero. No, Anderson was below nine ten last year, say percentage wise. Right. So is like, if, if Campbell gets off to a great start and Anderson doesn't, I could see it. I could, I could easily see any, I think it'll be more one a one B. Like I don't think they're going to treat Anderson as a backup during the season. Um, odds of, I, I would say the odds of Campbell starting game one would be 15% assuming they're both healthy. Um, I do expect a bounce back year from Anderson. If he is, does have a bounce back season, then, you know, it's probably, it's probably his net, but I guess he would have to struggle and, and Campbell would have to play quite well in order for that to happen. All right. Last one on the Leafs. The final loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs will come in the regular season. Round one, round two, round three, Stanley cup or Their last game of the season is not a loss, and they lift Lord Stanley. Kevin Papetti, what is your prediction for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I'll go round three. I'll say they win Canada, and then I don't know who they'll run into. I I, I feel like they got to win a series, so I'm not going to say one. They're definitely going to make the playoffs, I would think. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like if I say the cap. I fucking hope so. I say I feel like if I say the cup, I'm too much of a homer. So I'll go I'll go round three. I think that's realistic and also uh, fairly attainable. So let's get to the gambling portion of this. So we picked five teams that we are intrigued not only by their by their team but also by their point total. Ian and I did this with the NBA. We did over under wins for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. We just picked five teams. Kevin, I'm going to apologize right up front. We're probably going to exceed the hour mark here, so I do apologize. But I just want to get to these five teams and get to a little bit of fun at the end. So let's start here. I'm going to throw it around. We'll all get a chance to answer the first. Of the five teams for over-unders. Are you ready, Kevin? I'm ready. All right. The first one is the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins have a 71.5 points over-under. That would be a 105-point pace in the regular season. The over is plus 105. The under is minus 135. Kevin, are you going over or under for the Boston Bruins? 
I'll go under. I think Pasternak's starting on the... Uh, He's on the IR with a hip. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that they're also... They never really addressed their defense. Like, I know Char is leaving. You know, he is an older Chara, but they never really added anyone on the back Krug's end. Krug's gone. They added Craig Smith, which I guess is a nice addition. Yeah, with Krug gone and, and no one really filling in. I think they'll be good. I think it's going to be close to that. I think that's a pretty good line. It's just, I got to go... I got to go under there. Ian? I see the money is suggesting to try the over. Um, the reason I think that the over is at least mildly attainable is I think last year they were at 100 points and they had played 70 games. So, you know, does Krug – now Char, I think, is a bigger loss for different reasons than just on the ice. But, you know, does Krug really swing – that many points. I mean, I know they haven't really addressed it, but you know, I guess the Pasternak thing is something to monitor. But you know, I, it's more so just I feel dirty betting against Boston. So you know, I wouldn't put a ton on it, uh, but I would certainly, I would certainly look at sprinkling on the over. The only thing I'd add was their division's pretty tough. I guess that's the only other concern. That was going to be my point. Very true. This isn't 105 points in the Atlantic Division. This is 105 points in the East Division. That includes the Flyers, the Capitals. Wait, no, 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 no. Who's the sponsor? I'm not doing that. No chance. It's the... Do they pay the From the Stands podcast? Absolutely fucking not. So no, they don't They don't get a shout out on our podcast. So they're in with the Flyers, the Capitals, the Penguins, the Islanders, and the Rangers. The Devils and the Sabres kind of round that out on that side of it. Yeah, you know, you'd think normally in any, kind of like with the Raptors who are just absolutely killing our over-under, um, you just think that they just hit the over. That's just what they do. That's what the Bruins do. Uh, this to me is Vegas is telling you it's the under. So take the under. The next team, the darling of the NHL, the Colorado Avalanche, 74.5 is their point pace in a 56-game season. That would put them on a 109-point pace in a normal 82-game season. That is best for second among gambling uh, over-unders for for point totals. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the only team with a higher point total. Ian, I'll throw to you here first. Do you have the over or the under for the darling Avalanche? Well, you know, they do play in the Honda NHL West division. So oh, that God is, that is a <laughs> bit, uh, that is going to be, that is going to be um, pretty simple for them. I think, you know, obviously Anaheim, I don't think is going to be very good. Arizona is very much in a transition phase. Kings full out rebuild the wild meh sharks are going to be terrible. And then you have the blues and the golden Knights who are going to vary from good to great. So um 109 is a lot, but this team's also like stupid, like stupid. And there's no team. And we say this every year, but there's no team prime for like, Hey, I'm going to go trade for Patrick Liney, or I'm going to go trade for this player, player X, then Colorado, because they have so many prospects and players and salary and all this other stuff that they can do to make it happen. So um, playing in the Honda division, I, I got the over. I got to go. I think go I'm going with you. I think I'm going with you. It's just a weak division. Like It's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. I don't know why Honda would want that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got, I guess, last pick in the divisions. I'd, I'd like so. to see how the drafts went with the sponsors. No, but well, I, Mass, Mutual, Mass Mutual is by, is by far the worst thing. 
Um, I think with, yeah, maybe they should have got the West. I think with them, I don't know. Vegas is really good. St. Louis is really good. The only concern, like I think Colorado is just, they added Devin Tays, which is a really nice addition. Oh, I think they added what a Brennan, trade. Brennan what a trade as well. Yeah. They did. So they're just deeper. Brand they're already side, good. Yeah. They're already good last year. Um, I guess it, the only like concern I'd the biggest concern I would have would be if their goaltending is not quite as good. Yes. And then just because of the nature of the season where, you know, one injury could, could really affect you hitting that one Oh nine. Like, like if McKinnon's out, for example, you're just done. You're not hitting that. The other thing would just be, I guess, like positive cases, things like that, where, you know, if guys miss time, you don't really know what's going to happen there, but I think they're the best team in, in the NHL. I'd have them ahead of Tampa. Um, so I guess I'll go over there. I also like them to go over and mostly because of the division. And this is the thing to your point, all of this can be blown up. This isn't a regular season. This is like, this, we have an, an actual virus spreading through locker rooms, towns, cities, and families like we've never seen before. And yeah, um, of course, if Nathan McKinnon is on the COVID list for 10 days and there's five games in that stretch, that really puts the 109 in jeopardy or the 74 and a half. It's also an over for me. And I really like the over here for two reasons. First, I do, to Ian's point, think that they are going to add someone of substance. And I do think that Gabriel Landeskog's name will be thrown around as he's a pending UFA at the end of the season. I do think that his name will be thrown around, even though he's the captain and that traditionally hockey players don't hockey teams don't trade their captain. I'm sure they could find another captain, but I'm sure that McKinnon would fit in just nicely there. But the only thing to me, COVID is one reason why they wouldn't do it, but that's for every team. It is goaltending. They had a great opportunity to shore that up in this off season. They have, we ever seen more goalies be available this off season. Like Freddie Anderson was available for, you know, a first and some salary filler this year. And, and they didn't want to Freddie Anderson, call it in. Oh, but that but that's the thing. They got him for what two seconds? What was the deal there? It was it was crazy. Seconds, that deal. So I'm gonna go over as well. Um, but I just guys, everyone, all listeners, we understand COVID. Like this could change it. We're just talking about like <laughs> we're simming a season in, in NHL 21. Okay. Speaking of Devin Tace, his previous team, another intriguing team is the New York Islanders. Please, if you are looking to have a good laugh, go look at the New York Islanders uh, cap-friendly page because, trust me, you will get a good laugh out of it, and yet somehow they overachieve. Their points this year are 64.5. That would be a 94-win pace. They are currently playing in that previously mentioned East Division with the Penguins, Rangers, Capitals, Flyers, and Bruins. So, Kevin... Their overs plus 105. The under is minus 135. Vegas is telling you to take the over because they want you to, not because they think it's actually going to happen. What do you think? I think under. I just think that division's too strong. Like, even the weaker teams, New Jersey's a bit better. Like, they added Andreas Janssen. They have a pretty good goalie. They could steal a game or two. Buffalo's a lot better with Taylor Hall and, and Eric Stahl. Um so I, I expect more out of them. And then like, just looking at the other teams, like Boston, I think Philly's really strong still. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's good. It just feels like the wheels got to fall off of that Islanders team. Eventually they don't have all the talent in the world. They lost Evan Taze, who I think is very good. Um, I just, on paper, at least, I don't think they're as strong as the other teams in that division. And I just think because it's not the average Eastern conference, I think they're going to have a tougher time. So I'll go under. 
I'm going to take the over. And it's not because I want to reverse jinx the Islanders. It's not because I hate their fans. It's not because I think that the Lou Lamarillo cloud hanging over the Toronto Maple Leafs is just becoming extremely tiresome and boresome at this point. It's because of all of that. Fuck the Islanders. I'm taking the over. Ian? Well, they do play in a tough division. The Mass Mutual NHL East Division is tricky. Um, but the one thing I will say, you know, it's interesting. When you talk about – when you talk about – when you talk about the Islanders, it comes down to Barry Trotz and that's it. I mean, I, I'm get, it's getting to the point where he could drag – a he could drag a team full of toddlers to the second round of the playoffs i mean that's just how good of a coach i feel that he is but it, you know we, sean mentioned if you do want to get a laugh the following players on the islanders are paid five million dollars or more and are signed beyond beyond 2023 uh-oh or further ready jean gabriel pajot josh bailey andrew ladd jordan eberly brock nelson matthew barzell that one's worth it anders lee on defense, the following are signed through 2022, so they have two more years left and make over five million. And that is Nick Letty and Ryan Pollock. Ian, that you, is, forgot, you forgot Matt Martin. Yeah, you, when you get when you get a chance to give a, a, a fourth line or four years, you just got to do that twice. And and look, and they, you know, I think they got Boychuk on long term IR. That cap sheet's disaster, but it doesn't matter because this is what Barry Trotz does. Uh, I'm still taking the under though. Because what here's what they'll do. They'll like bumble through the regular season, like finish like sixth or seventh, and then just bum rush someone in the first round. It happens every year. Well, then with this alignment, they have finished fourth in that division. So they would have to beat out. What, what would that look like then, Kevin? They got to beat so out. So Boston, Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington, I would say with the top four. So they got to so beat got- out one of those. Yeah, yeah. Unless the Rangers surprise, which a lot of people kind of picking them as darlings. I got the under the mass mutual division. I don't know. I'm taking, but no, I'm taking the over. This is what they do. I'm taking the over. Uh, (laughs) Let's get to a team that I'm really intrigued by. Not just because their owner is hoping that players play uh, that, sorry, that fans enter the stands this season, but also because I actually really like what they did at the draft. I know that you were overly critical, Kevin, but I do like the guys that they got. And that is the Ottawa senators. The senators are sitting at a 45 and a half win. uh, Sorry, not win pace point pace which is 67 in a regular 82-game season. They brought in Evgeny Dadanov, Erica Branson, Matt Murray for God knows how much money, Austin Watson, Joshua Brown, Logan Shaw. They lost Borvietsky, Ron Hainsey, Scott Sauerbrunn, Craig Anderson, and Anthony Duclair. This one actually, to me, is relatively easy. I think this is an over. I do. Like At 67 uh, point pace i keep wanting to say wins and nba is like just absolutely <laughs> like melted into my brain dude I they actually, were 60 they had 62 points last year in I, 71 games and the team is objectively better i agree and that and that's what i think i i do think they're gonna be more competitive I, i'm not a big fan of matt murray um obviously his numbers do not bear witness to the fact that he is a stud goaltender who deserves that much money over that much term but I just think, especially in the all-Canadian division, I do think that they are going to catch a lot of people by surprise. They play really, really hard. I think Stutzla is going to be uh, an absolute factor in this lineup. I really liked what... um, Oh, now it's... 
Brown from the Maple Leafs. Now, Connor Brown, what he did for that team. I think Duclair, I, I know that there's been some off-ice stuff with him, but I, I think they really are going to miss what he brings. Dadnov is fine. I, I just think that this isn't over. I, I think that they're like a 73, 75-point team who, if you go and play them and you try and take a night off, they're going to surprise you. And in a in a fifty six game season where you're playing a lot of, a lot of games within a short amount of time, I just think that they're going to sneak up on some teams. So even though it's not like it's you haven't played a team in in four months, and now you got to play Ottawa, who's you know the worst place team in the standings, I just think that they, I think that they were probably I, my big prediction is they're going to finish sixth in the Canadian division. I think Winnipeg finishes seventh. Kevin, wow. do, you, do you have any uh, any feedback on that? I'll go over uh, to start. So I think. I think the Canadian division is a bit weak um, overall. I don't know what the what the sponsor is. I'm sorry, but Scotia, uh, Scotia, I got you. I got Scotia. You, okay, so I think the I still have them like on paper as the worst team. I just think they have to be over. They're not that much better. I think Sitzel will help, especially on the power play. They had a really bad power play last year. If he can just help with that, um, that would really make a big difference. And then, like, I look at some of the defenses. Like, I, I think Edmonton's really going to struggle defensively. I think Vancouver has some goal test, goaltending questions. Winnipeg has a ton of defensive questions. So, I just think it could be an easier schedule. Like, like with the Leafs, they don't have to play Boston or Tampa. So, we'll see. I mean, Dodonov versus Duclair, it's kind of an interesting, like, free agent trade, I guess. Ended up being similar to a trade. Um, I think they got another – I think they have, like, three Browns on their team now. Um, they added Josh Brown from the Panthers. They have Connor Brown. They have Logan Brown. So, maybe they're onto something there with the Browns. We'll see if that's – you know, we'll see if that is the magic formula, I guess. Uh, they're just deeper. I don't expect much, but it doesn't take too much to get to that. Uh, what was the the mark? Like, seven low 70s? Yeah, no, 60 – it would be a 67 win pace. Point. 67 point whatever you can- yeah they, I, I'll take, <laughs> I gotta go over i think sixth is is possible i just don't know who the seventh will be um i don't know i'd probably put winnipeg higher it's just i don't i bet one of these teams whether it's vancouver or winnipeg i bet one of them disappoints. so i'll still say ottawa last but i'll, I'll say that they're they get that pace you know i i i mean can matt murray be better than craig anderson who had a 902 save percentage last year I mean, you have to think it's possible. I mean, I know Murray was an 899 last year. Um, but, I mean, you have to think he'd be a little better, and I think that's going to be a bit of an upgrade. Um, I think it's over, too. I think it's over, too. I, I don't really have – I mean, you guys sort of hit it all. I, th- I think it's over, and it, it, they're going to be fun to watch. I mean, I think their owner sucks, but I think they're going to be fun to watch. So I think they'll have I, the fans. I think they'll be over because they have 6,000 fans. Well, he doesn't have any money, right? So, I mean – you know, there's no way there should be fans, but he had to come out today and clarify because Ford in Ontario came out and put out a whole bunch of new restrictions and Melnick had to come on Twitter to clarify his comments about wanting fans in the stands, which is, it's just peak senators. It's amazing, but still over. So we had five teams, Kevin. We had the Vancouver Canucks as the final team. We are going to skip that one and just kind of do a little bit of a default here, or sorry, a little bit of an audible. And we're going to go to a bit of a quick hitter segment for you. We have a few questions where you just want to get... Bang these out, get a few quick comments back from you. 
on some of the topics around the NBA at the NBA. Jesus, Ian, you've absolutely just toxic my mind. For, for whatever One, it's worth, by the way, for whatever it's worth, Vancouver's an over because Travis Green's the coach. That's the only analysis. I, what, I do, I, what I don't love is that they currently have four or five teams in the Canadian division that are trending at a 90-plus point pace, and that is because more people in Canada bet on the NHL. So Travis Vegas Green. is doing their, their Vegas part. So let's get to the first hitter here, Kevin. Are you ready? Which team outside of the Toronto Maple Leafs are you most excited to watch this season? Any division? Any team. Okay, I'm going to go. I want to go Carolina. I just think. Mm, good one. I love the defense. Uh, I think Chesnikov is going to have a big year. They're in a bit of a weaker division, I believe. So I just think they, they have a good chance. The other one, I guess, would be Colorado. I just love watching Colorado. They just look like the best team on paper. Um, plus I, I, because they're a West team, I don't worry about them as much. Whereas, you know, in the East teams, uh, whether it's Boston or, or Tampa, I just, I don't know. I can't cheer for them yet, even though they're not in the, the division. So I'll go, uh, I guess I'll go Colorado one. And then I guess Carolina would be the, the number two. Carolina's a good one. All right. Next one in the NBA, Sean's favorite in the NBA, they do have a most improved player award. Who is your preseason pick for the NHL's version? Because, Sean, it is an NHL podcast. An NHL version of the Most Improved Player Award. Okay, i got to start with NBA. It's got to be Chris Boucher. I like that guy. He is. (laughs) That's what I was ready to answer. He's just bringing energy, rebounds, shoots. I don't know. I like him. He's bringing Uh, wins? Not yet. That was for you. You like that? It's coming. It's coming. In terms of Most Improved for NHL, I think Jack Hughes would be a good one. He had a he had a rough rookie season. He was so young though, right? Like if he went to the World Juniors, he was eligible. He would have probably been the best player. So I think like you're looking at all the guys like Trevor Zagris, you know Tim Stutzla. Like you're thinking about these guys after the World Juniors, thinking they're gonna have a huge rookie season. I think Jack Hughes would have outplayed them at the World Juniors because he was just a beast at that age group for years. So I think I got to go with him. Uh, he was pretty disappointing last year as a rookie, but he was so young. I just think, you know, put him with Palmieri, put him with someone like Andreas Johnson, who's, who should help him. Uh, he's just such a good transition player, such a good, uh, such a good passer. He's kind of one of those guys that was because he's young and he because he is kind of on the smaller end. Um, I, I do think he's someone who is really going to benefit from the extra year of you know physical maturity. Um, so I'll go with I'll go with Jack Hughes. I love the player. Uh, I think his brother's going to go. I have his brother at first overall right now in my, like, I was doing a draft ranking. So I just think that family is just, you never bet against. You him. have him number one, eh? Luke Hughes, yeah. He's, uh, it's not a strong draft, though. So I, it's kind of wide open. And obviously, you guys aren't playing, but that family, you just, you can't bet against. Two part question here for you, Kevin. The Calder Trophy is one that I'm sure you are very much invested in. So I'm going to ask you two quick questions. First off, who is going to be the 2021 Calder Trophy winner? But who is the best value? Because obviously we can sit up here and say, who do you want to win? and Or who do you think is going to win? But we don't know. But like, look at the, the overall odds. And if you'd like, I can read some to you quickly. Well, the favorite has to be Lafreniere, right? It's Lafreniere and Shesterkin. Those are the two favorites. 
Kapritsov is at plus 400. Stutzla is at plus 800. Then you have Kozins at 16 to 1. Uh, Velarde at 15 to 1. Tippett 20 to 1. Zegris 22 to 1. So is there anyone jumping out to you as... And let's just go with value. Is there anyone jumping out to you? It's like, you should put money on that guy. I went way down. I went with uh, the Island Islanders goaltender, Ilya Sorokin. So I just think in terms of, I think it's going to be Lafreniere and Kaprizov. Um, that would be, I think, the heavy favorites. And mm-hmm. Lafreniere is going to be pretty good. Like, I don't think he's like Hughes. I think they're the same age. Um, just Lafreniere is a late birthday. So... Lafreniere is also more physically mature. Like he just seems NHL ready. I think he's going to have a good season. I think it's going to be tough for a guy like Trevor Zagres to pass him or, or Tim Slotil to pass him. Uh, Kaprizov is is also obviously he's older, so it's almost similar to the Panarin situation where he comes in after having a great career in, in the KHL. Like he's also going to get opportunity in Minnesota because they don't have a lot of offense. So I'm sure he's going to be the center of the power play. He's going to be racking up points. So I think those two are going to set the bar pretty high. I think it's going to be tough for a player to get by them. Um, that's why I went goalie. Like, I, I just think the Islanders, I don't know if it's Barry Trotz or what's in the water there, but they always seem to have, their goalies seem to have high save percentages like every year. Like Grice played really well there. Leonard was great there. Um, off all of a sudden comes yeah. back. Yep. So I, I, I'm going to go just Islanders goalie. It is a long shot, so I wouldn't like... It you jumped know, but, to 14 to one. So it's not that far of a long shot. He's now. 14. Yeah. He's down on the list, but it's 14 to one. For uh, I, I checked earlier. It's 28. I'm looking at it right now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So maybe, maybe people thought about this before the podcast and thought we know what he's going to think, but I'm looking at 14 to one. Uh, I, I do, you know, Lafreniere is going to be the sexy pick. We have to think about I, at eight to right? one. At, at eight to one, I think Stutzla is going to get a, a lot of a lot of runway, and you know you can't you can't go wrong wrong on that side. But um, I, I like those Lafin- two picks, Kevin. Lafiniere is going to have opportunity. There's mm-hmm. and he's plays. There's good. There's good players on that team. So he's getting power play minutes with Zabanajad and Panarin, or you know even if he's you know even if he's sprinkling in there somewhere. I mean, those are points that he's going to be able to get. So, yeah. I mean, you have to think he's the heavy favorite. Uh, okay, second to last one. More attractive trade piece, Pierre-Luc Dubois or Patrick Liney? Pierre-Luc Dubois, I'll say, which is – I wouldn't have said that at draft time. So, it's funny that <laughs> they went back-to-back, right? Yep. So, Dubois is just the more complete player. Lane kind of reminds me of when the Bruins traded Phil Kessel. Like, mm. like Kessel, he has a very defined skill set. He's going to score, and he's not going to do pretty much anything else. I don't think the two-way game is strong at all. I think he's one of the, you know, the bottom two-way forwards. He is amazing on the power play. So, if, you, if, you're looking, if your team like Montreal that just has a bad power play every year, like a guy like Lane, they should be after um, but Dubois, a 1A, like a, a 1B center. I don't know if he's a true one. I just think, you know, we saw him against the Leafs in that playing series. He absolutely torched him. He's a complete player. He's going to score quite a bit. If he scores, like, if his point total is, like, 90% of what Lonnie's is, he's, he's the better player, or even 80%, he might be the better player. Just because that. he's a, a that complete that complete guy. You can play Dubois with, like, 
scorers, guys that aren't all that complete. You with Lonnie, you kind of need two guys that kind of drive the bus, and and he's kind of the the third guy that's going to put the puck in the net. So I'll go Dubois there, but it's close. It's I, I love that comparison about when you're getting him and kind of what, to your point, defined skill set. Uh, they're not the same player, obviously, but I, I like that comparison. It's, it's pretty hilarious, though, because you're right. They did all the, you know, they did go back to back. But Matthews, Line, Dubois, all go, you know, those are the top three. You know, all have worked out to varying degrees. Um, Kachuk and Keller, I think have both worked out to varying degrees. A lot of the Keller contract sucks. And then Sergachev, obviously in the top 10, but you know, you have those three guys go back to back to back and then Jesse Pugliarvi at four. Oh man. It'll be interesting though. I'm kind of, I know I want him. I want him. I want him. I'm always sold from that world junior. So I'm still holding out hope. Last one. The Rocket Richard Trophy, one of, if not the most fun bets to place if you are a gambler in any sport, because it's like cheering for an over for the entire year. And as everyone knows, you bet overs if you want to have some fun. The favorite, the resounding favorite is Austin Matthews at plus 350, Ovechkin uh, 6 to 1, Dreisaitl 8 to 1, McDavid 10 to 1, then you got McKinnon, Eichel, Pasternak, Connor, Gensel, Stamkos, Pacioretty, all sprinkled in there, ranging from 12 to 25 to 1. Ovechkin being 6 to 1 at 95 years old is beyond unbelievable. And it still feels like he's undervalued at 6 to 1. It's, it's insane. It's, it, I, I'm actually like clicking him right robot. now. So, yeah, Kevin, with the most fun gambling prop in sports, do you have someone that you feel is actually going to win? And do you have someone that you feel like I got to sprinkle some? I felt the, when I looked at the line, I felt they were all pretty, like pretty decent lines. I didn't see anyone who really stood out. I think this could be Matthew's year for sure. I do think he should be favorited. I just look at the Canadian division. I think Edmonton was a tire fire defensively last year. And I think they got worse defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, they play Mike Smith. who's oh, had good. two bad years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I, they play Mike Smith, who he's been bad for two straight years, and they, they still play him. Miko um, Koskinen isn't proven enough for me to have all that faith in. He's only had two years. Adding Tyson Berry, you saw him last year. They lost. Can we free Connor McDavid, please? Like, <laughs> this is a mess. What are we talking about? The defense is worse. The goalies suck. Like, oh my God. No, it's it's like we haven't seen enough to trust Koskinen. And yet they saw him for like 12 games from like, here's three years and 3.5 million. No problem. Yeah. Curious and Barry were their ads. Clef bombs hurt. So it's just like, they're going to be weak defensively. I I think Winnipeg, like if, if Hellebuck gets hurt at any point, they're just done. Like, their defense is brutal. If Hellebuck has a d- bad year, you could score tons of goals on Winnipeg. We don't know about Demko. Like he wasn't great outside the playoffs last year. You know, maybe he could score a bunch against Vancouver. Maybe he could score a bunch against Ottawa. Obviously, I do think like the Flames and, and the Leafs should have, you know, I think better goals against. I hope, but I do think that division just like that division just gives you a lot of scoring potential. I guess what's the other week division? There was uh, the West. The, Ask, the is it the Honda? The Honda no, division? No, 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 no. It's the one that you said that you hate the name. Yeah, Scotia West. Mass Mutual. Mass Mutual. Mass Mutual. The West Division. 
So I would I would look for someone there. I just don't know. Well, it, it just feels like a, a Terry Panarin being thirty to one for the Rocket is a crime. It just thirty to one. That just wow. feels like a crime to me. Like this dude. Yeah, yeah that's a, this dude scores a freaking yeah. goals. And you know, I, I, Eichel at twenty to one, I like as well, but not in that division, mm-hmm. not with those defenses. So you have to go up against every single night. So you know, what you're thinking West Division. So West Division, you're thinking to quickly clarify, McKinnon. Sean. To, to quickly clarify, it's the Scotia North, the Honda West, the Discover Central, and the Mass Mutual East. I'm actually getting tired of having to explain this to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And and what can you just explain me the NBA divisions while we're at it? So if you look at the Honda West. So what are you looking at? You're looking at McKinnon at 12 to one, right? You're looking at Pacioretty at 25 to one. Don't love that. Um, I think uh, Kane isn't in the West. He's in the, whatever you said the central is or the anyways, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Oliver Bjorkstrand is on here at 33 to one, which, which seems crazy to me. Line is no, I, I don't love this. Like Rantanen at 40 actually seems like a bit of a crime too. But I agree. With, I, th- I think it's chalk. I think it's Matthews Ovechkin. But I would sprinkle on Panarin. Do you like the Panarin pick? I do at those odds. I think Eichel would be interesting if he plays with Hall Ooh. all the year. Interesting. So that one I'm kind of curious about. Panarin too. Like Lafreniere is a, more of a playmaker first. Um, I don't know what Zibanejad's odds are. but I He mean, is. A- Zibanejad is 22 to 1. That dude is nice. He's got a big shot. He's going to be playing with some playmakers. Scored four goals against the Leafs. The I only other one would Derek be Broussard is the an all time, all time Ottawa <laughs> moment. Like, are you kidding me? That was bad. I'm trying to think who else. Like, what's Mike Hoffman's at? That would be weird. Off the Ooh, PTO. good point. No, uh, Hoffman is not on the board. The wildest okay. on the board that I can see. Well, Kubliak isn't crazy. Like he he scored a lot. As no, a uh, I don't know. That team's gonna be so bad. Like Dylan Larkin's on here at okay. 150 okay. to one. All right, like, I don't that's that's it. about enough. That's about that's about enough. enough. Agreed. So actually, ending on the Dylan Larkin bomb, Kevin, Kevin Papetti, contributor from Maple Leafs Hot Stove. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This was a lot of fun. You were very generous with your time. We really appreciate. It. We had about 150 other topics that we could get to. But we'll save them for a later date. Hopefully, you will grace us again with your presence. But yeah, thanks for honestly, having me on. Hopefully, we're talking about a division win. Or I want to. I want the Jays to get Springer. So I guess that's the next on my agenda. When we get this going, we're get we ha- we already had Ben Ben Nicholson Smith on. We don't need him on. We need Ken Papetti to come on to give us a rundown of the offseason because apparently the Jays were in on everybody and now they're not getting anyone. And Francisco Lindor going for that poo-poo platter of a deal just made me so sad especially with carlos carrasco going the other way as well ian being a red sox fan as he cheers in the background he can go fuck himself because they have the worst pitching staff in the entire history of major league baseball sure do but kevin please let everyone know where they can find you so i'm writing at maple Leafs hot stove i'll be writing more obviously now that there's going to be hockey on a bit of a there's a bit of a lull there i guess with uh the, what was free agency october so I guess November was a little bit of a boring time, but I think now with with the, with the season getting started, it should be ramping up quite quickly. Uh, and it is it does seem like a condensed schedule as well. So I think there's going to be uh, should be a lot more articles there for me. 
And then uh, also have a podcast, Everything Least Podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, we might be doing some, we might do, some, we're going to try to do some post game, but we'll see how many, uh, we'll see how, I guess, late the games are. Cause I know there's a on the West, on the West Coast. Coast. <laughs> so those ones, maybe not, but no, we'll try to the, do, ga- uh, the games are good. They, they've actually made it basically Eastern time zone friendly. There's nothing, no 10 o'clock starts. So they're just like this to the West Coast. Yeah. Exactly. I think there's some nine, right? Uh, there is some nine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kevin, uh, what's your Twitter handle? Throw it out. Oh, I think it's at Capapetti. Mm-hmm. That would it be, is. Yeah. The amount of people that, that, sounds, that sounded super stalkerish, but I can I, almost guarantee that's what it, it is. Like, I had no clue. It, the amount of people that follow you, and you're like, ah, I just, I have no idea. A big <laughs> deal. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Ian, sign us off before the buds come back to somehow play after a state of emergency was declared in Ontario and no one is allowed to leave their homes, but they can play at Scotiabank Arena. And somehow I'm happy about it. Ian, please tell everyone, sign everyone off. Everyone, I need you to take a breath when it comes to the Raptors. It's going to be fine. And even if it isn't, even if it isn't, that is the wonder of owning your own first round pick. It's all going to be fine. It's coming together. Let's be supportive of one another. Let's not turn on our own. We're not like that. So to all you guys out there that are talking smack about Pascal Siakam and all that other stuff, cut it out. Cut it out. Let's stick together. I love you guys. We're going to get through it. Please wear your mask, everybody. Thank you for listening.